1: and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help. Intro, baby. Welcome in. It is a Monday edition, the first Monday edition of December of New York, New York, with yours truly, J.J. Johnson, Stremski. We are cooking right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. It has been a day, to say the least. It started in the morning with the Ringer Wise Guys, threw in a little Bruce Beck, threw in some good football and some bad football and a whole lot of winning wagers. So maybe that's why I'm in extra spirited and extra good spirits here. On this fine Monday. And then we wrap it up with you. Like we do each and every football Sunday. So. Another week transpires. Another week passes. And here we are. It's the same old, same old. For the hapless, anemic. And offensively offensive. New York Jets. As they go yet another week. Without scoring a touchdown. They lose to the Atlanta Falcons. To fall to 4-8 and on the year. And. I know for many of you listening to the podcast, Stefan said this to me the minute we signed on. How many times can you basically say the jet offense sucks? I know. I understand what we have been doing on this show for the last seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 weeks, whatever the case may be. But now we are reaching a point of historical context. And I said this to my father today because my father is a great historian and he appreciates nuggets of brilliance and nuggets of futility all combined into one. The Jets have 10 offensive touchdowns in 12 games this year. It is the lowest amount of offensive touchdowns through 12 games in 30 years of NFL football. Regardless of who the quarterback may be, it's Zach, it's Boyle. They go to Simeon in the second half. They all stink. The creativity on offense continues to stink. I don't know how many times I need to see a second-down stretch run to Brees Hall. We saw it, Stefan and I, 10 zillion times last week against Miami, and the Miami defenders were sitting there and waiting for him. We saw it in this game against the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know how many times you're gonna run it. I don't know how many times it's gonna be basically swallowed up. Bing, bang, boom. Zero creativity from Nathaniel Hackett and his offense, and a jet team. That was poorly put together. They don't have a second receiver. Even though they got a decent game out of Xavier Gibson today, they don't have that. Their offensive line has been complete shambles. And the narratives and the themes of this team continue to be hammered home, highlighting the deficiencies of this coaching staff. Now, I know they got the shaft at the end of the first half in this game and it was poorly officiated. But again, we're talking about the Jets committing a zillion penalties. It always seems to be a trend. It always seems to be the case. To the point where Sally even said after the game, it's a fair and it's a reasonable question that you're asking me. It's a poor reflection of him. And Robert Sal and Joe Douglas, let's call it like it is. They should be thanking their lucky stars that they have the ultimate ace in the hole as far as excuse making is concerned. Their ultimate ace in a hole is the fact that they lost Aaron Rodgers four plays into the year. And can we please, 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 and this includes Bingo, stop with the narrative of seeing Aaron Rodgers at some point this year? The team is 4-8. They're dead in the AFC. They're dead in the AFCs. It's over. There is absolutely no point in putting Aaron Rodgers on the field. I don't know how many times I need to say it. After watching this game, after seeing more futility, what do you want to see against Cleveland or in the final game of the year against the New England Patriots? It's so nonsensical. I don't even want to get worked up about it. But Sal and Douglas have at their disposal the fact that, hey, we lost Aaron Rodgers four plays into the season. It's the ultimate excuse. And from some standpoint, it's very easy for somebody like me for somebody like you to look at the Jets and say, yeah, their season ended As far as being a legitimate contender on that particular day, that's accurate. That's a fair portrayal. What's not a fair portrayal is the fact that, you know what? It's another year in which you'd say, I don't have the right infrastructure in place for my organization. And I think the perfect way to kind of sum up the Jets and the way. They have schemed up plays and coached up quarterbacks and the quarterback performance, which we know has been abominable. One of the quarterbacks playing on Sunday today because of the rash of injuries and because of just the shit show that 2023 has been across the league is Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco, who was not on a team for the first two months of the year, basically gets signed into Browns practice squad. DTR goes down with an injury. They didn't want to play P.J. Walker. Boom, Joe Flacco starting on Sunday. Joe Flacco played a better game being in the Browns building for a week than any Jet quarterback has played in 2023. It's also the same Joe Flacco, whom I knew was on the Jets a year ago and was a quarterback who looked completely washed and completely cooked like he had nothing left to give. So riddle me this. Why all of a sudden, and I know they lost the game, and I know we had a late critical interception late. That's all well and good. Moved the ball, kept this team in the game, did far better than I ever could have imagined. Why could Joe Flacco do that in Cleveland, and he can't do that with the Jets? Is that a fair question to have? It's a fair question to have. It's a totally fair question to have. Jets have 10 touchdowns offensively in 12 games this year. Everybody should be questioned right now. Everybody. And that includes the general manager who has gotten off way too easy, has gotten way too many free passes because what, he found Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson? Great. There have been a whole lot of whiffs too. And he's presided over a roster, and I understand how bad it was when he took over. It's Four years into this thing, it's another year they're not going to make the playoffs. It's another year, unless they run the table, they're not going to have a winning season. Salah, what's his record? It's like 15-30? and 15-31 and 31 as an NFL head coach? But he's going to get next year. You could easily make the argument the Jets would be better suited going and getting one of these bright offensive minds to go and coach your team. Like, in your honest, humble opinion, Jeff fans, I ask you this question. As you watch the team commit a zillion penalties, They have backbreaking turnovers like the Cook fumble today. They can't score touchdowns. Like, we're sitting here in two or three years. Even if next year goes well from a Robert Sala, Aaron Rodgers standpoint, which I think we'd all agree, if they make the playoffs, they win a playoff game or something along the lines of that, it's going to be a really good year in Jetland. They haven't made the playoffs since 2010. So I'd hope that'd be a good year. Do you really think this coach has the vision? has the, the, the sort of feel and look. He'd say he's going to be my coach for a long time and I feel great about it. I mean, honestly, I know I don't look at him that way. Say what you want about Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott, and right now, I think he should be on the hot seat in Buffalo. And I think Buffalo needs a change. I think it's time for them. But he's been to the playoffs multiple times. He's won multiple division titles. It's possible Sean McDermott is fired and Robert Sala is still coaching his team. Just think about that for a minute. So, more of the same for the Jets. More of the same. The futility continues. More anguish, more pain, more misery, more suffering. But what else is new? Maybe score a touchdown. You know, I'm watching all these games on Sunday. There's back and forth games. There's entertaining games. And now I'm sitting there watching the Jets. And listen, it's my job. I know I have a job to do. I know I have to inform and entertain and do all the stuff that we do here on the show. But I'm sitting there watching this game like, why in God's name is this on one of my TVs? It doesn't belong on one of my TVs. It's unwatchable garbage. Every game is the same. You know, I'm doing questions today on TV. they asking me about Salah and conservative coaching. I'm like, they can't score a touchdown. What are we talking about here? They can't score. It's tough. Super tough. So the Jets are now 4-8. and eight, And the fact that the Jets and the Giants have the same record where they were a couple of weeks ago, tells you about how rotten and how violent it has gotten in Jetland. And we'll see who's the quarterback this week. Is it Simeon? Is it Boyle? They go back to Zach. Who who knows? And honestly, who cares? That's my feeling. Who knows? And who cares? As C.J. Stroud and the Texans come to town. We got some other things to get to. And we'll do our run-through around the league in a little bit. I have a lot of thoughts. The college football playoff, I want to get to right out of the gate. I feel for Florida State. I really do. But at the same time, as someone who is a viewer and a consumer of college football, as someone that will be stuffing his fat face, watching two games on New Year's Day, probably nursing a football and a little Kona hangover, ringing in the start of 2024, the college football committee got the four best and four most enjoyable teams from a viewing perspective, from a watchability perspective into this thing. Florida State, you feel for them, they lost Travis. I know they're a power five. I know they're undefeated. I know they beat Louisville, who's a ranked team. I understand that gripe. If I were a Florida State fan, and my buddy Johnny, who just christened his baby boy, tough Sunday for him. You know, he has the great christening, but, you know, he's got to deal with Florida State getting the shaft, and he roots for the Jets, which is misery and pain and anguish in its own right. So my apologies there. I'd be livid. I'd be ballistic if I were a Florida State fan because I'd feel my school deserved better. But I don't have a dog in the fight. Would Florida State get absolutely steamrolled, I think, by Michigan? Yeah, I do. And would I much rather see Michigan and Bama Sunday or New Year's Day, whenever the hell they play? Yeah, I would. And then Washington earned it. They shut me up. I had Oregon laying nine and a half. Never was in the game. I know they took the lead briefly. Never was in the game. Washington was the better team they deserved to win. And Texas took care of business. And if you're going to put Alabama in that playoff, couldn't leave Texas out. Texas went to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama. So from a watchability viewing standpoint, four best teams are going to be playing in the college football playoff. Now, we have two other quick hitters before we hit voicemails. Winter meetings start today, Monday, whatever you want to call it. Looks like Yamamoto's not signing this week. It looks like Ohtani's not signing this week, even though you can forget about Otani, He's not coming to the Mets. He's not coming to the Yankees. There's not even going to be any chatter, any buzz whatsoever about him coming here because he doesn't want to come here. I-, I told you guys this back in the summertime. Otani was the apple of the eye of the Yankees. After 17, they thought they were getting Otani. They did everything in their power to basically roll out the red carpet for him. And he said, nah, I'm not interested. So what was going to change? I'm sure Cohen got wind. Hey, doesn't matter how much money I throw at this guy. He doesn't want to be on the East Coast. He doesn't want the attention. All right, so be it. Yankees and Mets are going to be in on Yamamoto. And I saw this Martino story from the other day. And look, there were a lot of names that were listed by Andy as far as guys who could be moved. There's not one name on that list. That would stop me in a way of getting Juan Soto. Not one. I understand it's a negotiation. There's back and forth. There's back and forth, I would hope. But somebody asked me this the other day. I was at the Queens Baseball Convention. Great time. Really enjoyed it. Somebody was like, would you trade Michael King for Juan Soto? I said, yeah, I wouldn't think twice. And I like Michael King. And I think he is, without question, somebody that could be a part of the plan for the New York Yankees. Juan Soto is one of the seven best players in baseball. He is exactly the sort of protection that they are lacking. Left-handed, average, power, on base, all the above. Star power, it factor, you go and get him. And there should be nothing in the way of that simple fact if you're Brian Cashman in the Yankees. Nothing. So I'll continue to hammer that until the cows come home or until we have a resolution one way or another on when Juan Soto is going to be going. So feels like there's Otani. Maybe that shakes out the Soto market if other teams get involved. Bellinger's interesting. I like him as a player. I think you're buying way too high, and I have like buyer's remorse that the Yankees didn't get him last year. So if you tell me I'm getting Bellinger instead of Soto, I'm not going to be happy about it. I'm not going to lie. And in the Mets, we got to figure out, okay, how are they remaking and reshaping their rotation? Yamamoto, Montgomery, and Walter Rodriguez, a couple of names to watch. So, we'll see if there's a big trade, too. Brewers could make a trade, maybe with Bieber, or, excuse me, uh, with Corbin Burns. Cleveland could make a trade with Bieber. Those are two names I'd watch from a trade perspective. Burns with the Brewers, Bieber with Cleveland. Don't be surprised if either one of those guys ends up getting traded. Now, we got all that going on this week. We also will have the in-season tournament, if that suits your fancy, on Tuesday. And uh, we won't be celebrating if the Knicks ever... Go and win this thing. I mean, if this actually changes your life, next go and win this thing. You got serious issues. You got serious problems. Go seek help. Honestly, go seek help. And if they put a banner at Madison Square Garden, even though I'm going to get banned from Madison Square Garden, I'm climbing up to the rafters and tearing that shit down because it's embarrassing. Please don't put a banner up. You're better than that. You're better than that. That said, I'll be betting the Knicks on Tuesday. I think five points is a lot. They should have beat Milwaukee the first time around. They went from 17-1 to 11-1 in this in-season tournament. Let's we'll see if they get to the semifinal in Vegas, probably against the Celtics. So that's something to watch come Tuesday. All right, we'll rip some voicemails. Then we'll run around the league and set the stage for Monday night and what transpired, which to me was a thing of beauty for my Fanduel account You know, I have not been having a great year. It is so nice to be coming on and doing a podcast where I actually won a couple of events. Thank heavens. All right, voicemails. They're coming up next cash in i'm balling out this nba season with fandle america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins so we have the in-season nba playing tournament two games on monday two games on tuesday I'm keeping my eye on the New Orleans Pelicans on Monday night. Grabbing the four against Sacramento. I like the way that line's moving. I think Sacramento's a little too public. I'm in on that, and I love the Knicks. Line's gone from six to four and a half. The Bucks don't play any defense. Sign me up right now. Knicks plus the four and a half. I might even sprinkle a little bit. Knicks on the money line. You might even want to get in on the Knicks at a good number at 11 to one, 12 to one to go win the in season tournament you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to join. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options. The app is easy to use, and there's a wide range of ways to bet, including quick bets, live same-game parlays, the parlay hub, and more. So visit FanDuel.com NYNY and turn dimes into dollars this season. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 1st online, line real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. 917-382-1151. Uh, I'm just relieved that I actually win a couple of bets and I actually have five in a week. Wow. Still under 500 for the year, but you know what? You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. Packers took care of me. Rams took care of me. Lions took care of me. It was was a beautiful, beautiful sight. All right. Your voicemails are always a uh, beautiful listen. I was going to say a beautiful sight, but I don't see your faces. But you know how to get in touch with New York, New York. I'm sure uh, a whole lot of disgruntled Jet fans and maybe some disgruntled Yankee fans. I mean, it's the holiday spirit. I want everybody in better moods. Not the case. All right, let's hear him, Steph.
2: JJ, what's up, man? It's Chris and Larchmont. Listen, I had, by all accounts, a good
1: weekend for the most part.
2: Some great local pizza on Friday, a nice holiday gala last night. I got the Christmas tree this weekend with the family and, and decorated our whole house with lights. Then today, the freaking football team that I root for, the Jets, once again showers my damn mood, and I'm just sick of it. All right? Now, you know, Stala now benches Wilson, benches Boiling Game. And showed us he isn't any good either. And are we really confused now about the variable that needs to be adjusted? First of all, relieve we'll Nathaniel Hackett of play calling duties tomorrow and remove him as offensive coordinator, right? And nettle to the owner, Woody Johnson, you can't let Aaron Rodgers run this organization, right? What other industry would give those failing at their jobs this much rope? You know, if you want to keep Hackett in the building, fine, do that because you need him to be Rodgers' lackey next year. But the offense is just unimaginative, terrible drive-in and drive-out. You know, a measly uh, two, two field goals and a safety today as, as far as as far as scoring goes. And it's, it's absolutely absurd. I mean, how many times do we need to see a play-action pass back to the running back for an, uh, an incompletion or two or three yards? You know, Salah, by the way, in addition to his well-chronicled brutal winning percentage, has some of these low-light trends that I, that I plucked out. Uh, as I'm sitting here uh, this, this evening, with 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 now that he has um, you know about just shy of three seasons under his belt, he has four three-game losing streaks, a six-game losing streak, and a five-game losing streak and counting. And who knows how big that's going to be before the season's over. And he's three and thirteen in the, in the AFC East. But with any institutional disaster, of course, you have to blame Salah. I I personally want to see him go at the end of this year. I don't care what, about the whole Rogers situation. And I don't care that some of this isn't his fault, but with any institutional disaster, it always starts at the top. And a lot of blame here falls on the shoulders of Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas. You know, Joe Douglas demonstrating an inept ability to build this team uh, well on the offensive trenches or in the offensive trenches. And you know, injuries or not, uh, it doesn't matter. And to not evaluate the quarterback landscape of this team properly in the off season, during the season, before the trade deadline, and not taking the L on Wilson soon enough. And then Woody Johnson just enabling this culture of incompetence now uh, and letting these ego-driven agendas undermine this team. I can never root against my team game to game, but I think I'm where I was in 2020 with Gase, where things need to get worse before they get better here. And losing is the best thing for this team for the rest of the season, both for draft pick and potentially be a catalyst to change. So I'm fired up today, man. Hope all is well. Get a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk soon.
1: Chris, this was an outstanding phone call. Um... Douglas now is under the microscope far more than he was, let's say, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, 12 weeks ago. And there is definitely a feel of Aaron Rodgers is calling the shots. You don't have to allow him to call the shots. And that is the problem and the fault of Woody Johnson. They're enabling Aaron Rodgers. And that's what transpired this offseason. Aaron, you want this? Aaron, you want that? Well, all the guys Aaron Rodgers wanted on this team. They stunk. Lazard stunk. Cobbs washed. Billy Turner stinks. And you're getting on Hackett. Listen, Hackett has done a miserable job calling plays. I don't think anybody's going to fight you on that. But how many times can we keep looking at offensive coordinators under this head coach and talk about failures? Heard the same conversation last year with LaFour. It was all Lafleur's fault until it wasn't. Now it's Hackett that everybody's dumping on. And I don't like the scheme at all. And I think it's been brutal, and I think it's been unimaginative, to say the least. I do think Salah, 70% survives this. The next two weeks, Houston at Miami. Good luck. Good luck. And then Washington at Cleveland, New England. What are we saying? Three more wins for the Jets at most? They're not going to eclipse their win total last year. They're not. But it boils down to the simple fact. Is Woody Johnson going to look at this year and say, hey, everybody gets a mulligan because of what happened with Aaron Rodgers? My guess is yes. If they decided at the end of the year they're firing Robert Sala, would I have a problem with it? No, I would not. I would not. Wouldn't bother me in the least. Because I don't think long-term he's going to be a big-time head coach. I've seen enough now. He can go and shut me up and prove me wrong. I do not think he's going to be a big-time head coach. It's amazing where the Jets were after that Philly game. Even after the Giant win and where they are right now. Hard to believe.
3: Who's next? Hey, what's up, JJ? Dan from Westfield. Been a longtime fan from the overnight days. Followed you here. Doing an absolutely bang-up job. Keep killing it. Um, Love the show. So big Mets fan, wanted to just get your take and maybe something negative because why not? I'm a Mets fan, right? So appreciate Uncle Stevie. Love what he's done. I appreciate all the spending that he's doing, but we can't offer him a championship contender next year. Let's just call it what it is. Why would Yamamoto want to be here other than the money? So my question to you is this. Let's say we miss out on Yamamoto, who I think should be priority number one. Where do we turn? We need to rebuild basically the entire bullpen outside of Diaz. Our rotation is filled with question marks and holes. I like Senga. Severino has a bunch of question marks. is a nice innings eater. But other than that, it's pretty barren. And then the lineup, let's be honest. Outside of Lindor, Nimmo, and Alonso, you can't count on much. So there's a lot of work to do for Stearns. And my question to you is, if we miss out on Yamamoto, how do we fill out the rotation? And what do you think the priority should be uh, for the offseason? Because Therns and company have uh, a lot of do- a lot of uh, work to do after we're shit to bed. I appreciate it. I'll keep listening. Talk soon. Thanks,
1: JJ. Bye. I appreciate the sentiment. I got to find my way back to Westfield, by the way. I used to drop my sister off there all the time because she played on a soccer team there back in the day, back in the travel high school days. Great little shopping areas, Starbucks they used to go to. I really enjoyed Westfield. Beautiful, beautiful town. So I appreciate the call and the support. I think the Mets are going to spend money. I think they're going to have a much different approach than they have the last two offseasons where they kind of looked at their team and said, yeah, let's try and steal a quick championship. Let's go and get Scherzer. Then they go, lose the Grom? Let's go get Verlander. Yamamoto fits their timeline. Because he's a young emerging ace. I think they clearly want him. I think they want to have the one-two punch with Kodai Senga atop their rotation. I think they'll be very aggressive. I don't know what Yamamoto's priorities are. Is it the money? If it is, the Mets are going to have a big edge. If it's the comfort level of playing with a Japanese teammate, having Kodai Senga, big deal. But then you have the tradition that the Yankees have with Matsui and with Masahiro Tanaka where Japanese players have thrived in the Bronx. Is that something he values? Or is it none of that? And Yamamoto says, yeah, I want to be on the West Coast. It's close to California. The Giants are in. The Dodgers are in. Hey, I want to go there. What about the Red Sox? He'd be the ace. I don't know what he's thinking. But from a Mets standpoint, they need a couple of starting pitchers. They added one in Severino. Right now, you're looking at the rotation. Senga's in it. Quintana's in it. Severino's in it. And then, you know, Peterson is a back-end guy, give or take. I want to see him go ahead two starters. A Yamamoto and somebody else would be great. If it's not Yamamoto, then who? I don't think Snell will be here. That kind of strikes me as a move they would have made each of the last two years. I don't see David Stearns going in that direction. I think if they don't end up with Yamamoto, look to the trade market. A lot of people are going to say, oh, it's Montgomery, who I think would fit great. I love Montgomery. I think for the Mets or the Yankees, he's a fantastic pitcher. He's a gamer. You know what you get. He's pitched in New York. He's thrived. And now he's a different pitcher than what he was. I think they'll call about Burns. I don't know. I don't know what the dynamic would be there because of the fact that Stearns just left Milwaukee. So there's a good relationship. But Brewer's going to go help their former boss with a starting pitcher? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. And then the other call I'd make is Bieber. If you're talking trade from a starting pitcher standpoint. Or maybe Dylan Cease, who is definitely going to get moved by the Chicago White Sox. I think if you could go and get one of those guys, combined with like I mean, Eduardo Rodriguez, then you're addressing your rotation. And I like Rodriguez. It's not ace. But as a guy who's going to eat innings, fill out the middle of a rotation, he's a quality pitcher. And he's pitched in big games before uh, from his time with the Boston Red Sox. I like Rodriguez. But that's what I want to see the Mets do. Go get a couple arms. Go get a DH too. Hoskins, Justin Turner, somebody along the lines of that. I like Turner because he could be a little catty maybe for Beatty at third base, which, in my opinion, the Mets kind of need. All right, let's take two more.
0: Hey, JJ. It's Anthony from Tom's River. Um, I called a couple of days ago. I left a voicemail saying, basically, I felt like the Yankees were going to go back to the 2008 off season where they were just going to go all in, get guys similar to like CC and AJ Burnett and uh, obviously Mark Teixeira. They basically got all the big names and, and made a huge splash in, in, in the off season and it ended up winning a championship. Uh, early in the week, I felt the same way. I really was into the whole getting Soto and Yamamoto. I actually felt like they, we're going to do that this leadership has been pretty incompetent over the past couple of years but I always felt like the biggest strength was them spending to kind of get out of some of the bad decisions right like getting Juan Soto getting Yamamoto I mean those are just easy fixes and obviously talent should out hopefully outweigh anything that they do but if if their dumb decision making is not giving up Michael King to get Juan Soto, and that's the deal breaker for Soto to go somewhere else, or getting outbid by Yamamoto, then I guess the bad decision making is not going to outweigh the talent because you're unable to acquire the talent. So I guess, but um, I guess my question was that earlier in the week I'll still ask it to you. Do you think the Yankees will still go all in this off season, or do you think they will be too smart for their own good and Save the prospects like Michael King or Johnny Brito or all these guys there, they're they may be holding back to get the big names that are going to help them if they acquire them. So just kinda want to get your thoughts on how this whole week has been unfolding uh in the off season.
1: Um all right, JJ,
0: take care, keep it up.
1: Anthony, appreciate it. Um I don't think they're gonna have a two thousand nine like off season. When they miss the playoffs. They had the need for the ace, and they got Sabathia. But then they added Burnett, and then they surprised everybody. And I'll never forget this. I was picking up booze for Christmas Eve. I was picking up booze for Christmas Eve with my dad. Bottles of wine, all sorts of crazy crap. Mostly wine, to be honest with you, because nobody in our family really drinks crazy booze other than the the vino. I mean, I have my beers, but, you know, that's usually the... uh, the go-to Christmas Eve drink for the uh, Jastrzemski's and the big shindig. But I remember sitting in the car finding out, and this was like early stages of Twitter, because it was, yeah, December of 2008, going nuts when I found out the Yankees had signed Mark Teixeira, because everybody had thought he was going to the Boston Red Sox. So I remember that fondly. Good winner. ended up being a very uh, fun summer and fall in the Bronx. I think they are going to be aggressive. I think they're going to have an active offseason. I think it's probably going to split the difference. I know that might be a little bit of a cop-out. I know that might not be the answer you're looking for, but I kind of look at it like they're splitting the difference where they'll get a big-time move. Soto, maybe it's Yamamoto. Maybe it's Yamamoto and Bellinger. let's say, which I would be a little underwhelmed by. I want Soto. My heart, my sights are set on Soto. So, I think you'll have some, quote-unquote, creative Cashman moves. But I also think the Yankees understand a sense of urgency. They were 82 and 80. They finished in fourth place. They have Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole in the prime of their careers. They got to be beyond active. If they think the team they ran on the field in 2023 is going to be good enough in 2024, they got no chance. No chance. Let's take one more.
4: JJ, Sean, and Belmar. I got three, so I'm going to go quick. First, the FB playoffs. I actually think they got it right. I think they got the right four teams. I know it feels really wrong to exclude Florida State. Uh, and I honestly think that what's in their back of their minds, and I'll never say it in public, last year in the title game, blowout. Semifinal games, years going before that, blowout. Florida State was the team most likely to get boat raced, and I think you look at Texas, and I think you look at Al- Al- Alabama's team, and you just you just you know they can hang, and I honestly think that's the reason Florida State can get in. Second thing, wanted to give you big ups um, for your position earlier in the season, and just in general about why you don't pay to running back in football, because we saw it. I remember you talking a couple weeks ago about the biggest busts in New York sports history, and like is Zach Wilson the number one all time bust? This guy is not at that level, but my God, Alvin Cook is the poster boy for why you don't pay running backs, and he was one of the guys complaining the loudest at the beginning of this season. All he has done is put the ball on the ground and be a massive disappointment for the Jets. I know he was supposed to play with Rodgers, but come on, the guy's been terrible this year. And that reminded me of that point you made about the big busts in New York sports history, and I just wanted to mention a couple that I thought you left off for the old-timers. Brian Taylor, number one draft pick, uh, number one prospect in all baseball, never played a major league game for the Yankees. Uh, Jesus Montero, again, every publication in the country, had the top three prospects in America as Harper, Trout, and Montero. And obviously, he didn't live up to that building. And thirdly, going back, but I still think it's within your parameters, Felipe Lopez on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a high school player. Uh, Number one high school basketball player in the country. Went to St. John's the same year Iverson went to Georgetown. Iverson became a Hall of Famer. Felipe Lopez mired in mediocrity. All right, three points. I got him in. Had to speed a little bit. Um, Full sports weekend. So uh, I'll leave you with that. Good talking to you, brother.
1: Shawnee, good call. I like the Felipe Lopez mention. Brian Taylor, I didn't mention because he is a little before my time, 1992. And by the time I became a Yankee fan, it was already kind of public knowledge that he was shot because of the bar fight and never living up to the potential that, the, that they thought they had uh, for an ace for years to come. I was talking about this with John Harper the other day. He said he saw Brian Taylor pitch in like a ball and was like, holy shit, this guy is the trip." And got into that bar fight and unfortunately was never the same. Um, so I left him off my list for that reason. Running backs are interesting; they have value, of course. You're seeing that Henry still has value. Barkley for the Giants has value. Mostert in the year he's having for the Miami Dolphins, they have value. But you could find guys in later rounds. You don't need to invest a primary pick in a running back. Like if I'm running an organization, unless my 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 on-field product is polished beyond belief. It's quarterback, it's wide receiver, it's offensive tackle, it's the end and secondary in the cor- and corner spot. The other positions, I'm going to kind of work around the edges. I'm going to make it work that way. And listen, when it comes to the playoff, I feel for Florida State. But am I going to be sitting there on New Year's night saying, yeah, I wish Florida State was in the game? Hell no. Hell no. And this will be rectified next year because you'll have the 12-team playoff, which is probably too many. Eight would be more ideal. But I'll, I'll accept 12. It's better than four. And I knew this had a chance to get chaotic. Once you had Georgia lose to Alabama, once Florida State went down to their third-string quarterback, and Texas won. Texas is sitting there saying to themselves, you can't leave us out. We beat Alabama at Alabama. And right now, Texas, Florida State, who's the more dangerous team? It's clearly Texas. Bama, Florida State. Who's the more who would Michigan be more f- afraid to play? Now, Michigan might beat them. <laughs> They're good. They're gonna be favored in the game, probably. The point being is look we'll at the spread from Michigan and Bama, two and a half. And if it was Michigan, Florida State, it'd be around ten. Committee I mean, got it right from that standpoint. You want good games? They got a much better chance of getting good games. All right, we'll run around the league. Winners and losers of week 13. Trivia time, Jeff Bunny. before we say goodbye.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health
3: Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code Spotify for 20% off your first order
1: and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
3: This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Now until May 12th, get up to 30% off personalized jewelry, style, decor, and so many other items mom will love. And if you want her to know you put a ton of thought into her present, use gift mode. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can easily find well-crafted, original, and affordable pieces from small shops. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about mom, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated ideas based on hundreds of personas. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply.
1: Uh, before we run around the league, I'm thinking of our buddy CJ Uzama. You know, I didn't mention this when we went through the Jet stuff. Caught it off the field. This AMCL, hopefully not season ending. Hopefully he gets back on the field better than ever. Because he had some big news the other day. He's got a new arrival coming in the family. Uh, hopefully everything will be A-OK for our guy, CJ, who is a pleasure to chat with every other week. Now, as far as the big winners of the week, it's not even close. Biggest winner of the week, San Francisco 49ers. And I'm taking a little victory lap on this. The Niners was my favorite play of the NFL season. It was such a tough spot for Philadelphia. They have played all these emotional games at Kansas City. They played five quarters of football against Buffalo. I I thought they were going to be in for it. And they were. I was a little worried when... You know, they had the player ejected, the coach, the security guy. looks like he could be a part of Ring of Wise, guys. He's getting into it. I'm like, oh, geez, here we go. Here we go. This is going to allow the Philly crowd. This is going to be the new rallying cry. I'm going to hear about this now for the next 10 weeks. Thankfully, that was not the case. Debo Samuel was the best player on the field. He was electrifying on Sunday. Scores three touchdowns. No doubter. Philly 42-19 over the Eagles. And now, the Niners are big. Dallas Cowboy fans, because if they want that one seed, they need another loss for the Eagles. Can they get it Sunday against the Cowboys? That's the million-dollar question. Green Bay, how about their performance on Sunday night? A.J. Dillon, quality game out of Jordan Love. You finally had a situation where the Chiefs did not get the better of the whistle. What a concept. The Chiefs actually didn't get a call for a change. You know, for any other team, I'd be like, yeah, I feel bad for them. The Chiefs, no, screw you guys. You got the AFC Championship game handed it to you. You had the Super Bowl handed to you on a freaking silver platter. You know what? Sooner or later, you're going to get screwed by the officials. They missed blatant pass interference on valdez Scandling at the end of the game. But the Packers survive, And the Packers are right now are positioned to go and get a playoff spot in the NFC. The Packers and the Rams are the two teams that have really made noise. We know this about the NFC. Dallas is in. Those other two wild card spots, Green Bay, Minnesota, Seattle, the Rams, the loser of the NFC South, even though with the NFC South, how can you expect any of those teams other than the winner of the division to get into the playoffs? I wouldn't, but that's kind of where we stand. Massive, massive win for the Packers. Chargers 6-0 over the Patriots. Who cares? The Patriots are just pathetic. I mean, to say the least. The Chargers, they cover five and a half points probably without scoring a touchdown. Go figure. I don't know how you figure that one out. Detroit, 33 to 28 over New Orleans. Detroit got a big in this game. I was nervous. I had the Lions laying four and a half, not going to lie. Got a little dicey late. Laporta had a monster game. They needed this after what happened to them against the Packers. And you look at that loss against the Packers. You don't know, feel as bad about it. Big win for Detroit. Gets them back on track. And New Orleans losing some ground here in the NFC. No doubt about it. Arizona, 24-10 over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh loses Pickett. Pittsburgh has been outgained in every single one of these games except for one. They got the Tomlin clunker. The good news for them, even though they might have Mitchell Trubisky starting quarterback on Thursday, they're playing the Patriots. Steelers, I still think, will find a way to do enough to get into the playoffs in the AFC. This game was nutty. Indy, 31-28 over the Tennessee Titans. Um, Two block punts. One for a touchdown. They lost the punter. Tennessee misses an extra point because Tannehill had to be the holder. And Indianapolis, instead of losing the game in regulation, they go to overtime and they end up winning the game in overtime. 31-28. Tennessee got a field goal. Mintry went down the field, scored a touchdown. Colts, I don't know how they're doing it at 7-5. My team, what a performance. Listen, Washington stinks. I mean, they fired Del Rio. No difference in that defense. That was just a clinic. and. Listen, I love my guy Tua. He's having a phenomenal season. How is Tyree Kill not in the MVP conversation? We're going to give the award to what? Just another quarterback? And in theory, yeah, Tua is in that mix. Jalen Hurts is in that mix. Patrick Mahomes is in that mix. Uh, CJ Straub, Brock Purdy, all these guys are in that mix. Tyree Kill is having one of the most sensational seasons I've ever seen from a wide receiver. He is outperforming his production Kansas City, which was utter worldly. How's he not in the mix for MVP? Honest question. Somebody got an answer for me on that? How is Tyreek Hill not in the mix for the MVP? Because the stupid voters just want to give it to a quarterback every year. Just rename it the best quarterback award. You might as well. If Tyreek and Christian McCaffrey cannot be in the mix this year, they're never going to be in the mix. Never. Houston monster win survived late. Houston played around with this game. It felt like they should have been up by like, way more than 13 points early in the game. Denver hung around. Denver had a chance to win it late. Texans get the big stop. Now they lose Tank Dell. That's a big loss. Big loss for that offense, and he's done for the year. But Houston now, big win, 7-5, and five, and I think set up nicely to go and get one of those playoff spots in the AFC, and that's going to just hand D'Amico Ryan's NFL coach of the year. They go to the playoffs in his first year with the way they played last year with a rookie quarterback, D'Amico Ryan's coach. Tampa 21-18 over Carolina, who cares? And then that Ram game, 36-19, Flacco, despite the late turnover, played well. And if I'm a Jeff fan watching Flacco on that offense, I'm sitting there saying to myself, what is wrong with my team? A- honest question, what is wrong with my team? Well, the answer is a lot. A whole lot. All right, trivia time. Larry, I'm ready for you. Let's go, babe. Larry
2: in sunny Florida. JJ, question one: Who is the only team not to lose a road game? Question two: Currently, there's five wide receivers over a thousand yards received. Two of them are C.D. Lamb and Tyreek Hill. Who are the other three?
1: I'm out. All right, we'll start with the road game. The only team not to lose a road game. Only team not to lose a road game. Miami has, Buffalo has, New England has, the Jets have. The only team not to lose a road game. I think I got it. Baltimore Ravens. All right, it was not the Ravens. All for one here. All for one. Only team not to lose a road game. It's tougher than I thought. It's tougher than I thought. Is it the Pittsburgh Steelers? they lost at Houston. They lost at Houston. Incorrect. Only team not to lose a road game. Jeez. The Detroit Lions. Man. I was feeling good about this, too. Not as lost a road game. They lost to Minnesota. It's not one of the South teams. It's not the Indianapolis Colts, is it?
3: Mm.
1: Honestly, I I give up. Stefan, give me a hint here. You want a hint? Yeah, I want a hint because I'm well, I'm I'm clearly off. This team um is a leader of their division. I'll give you okay. that. Okay. That helps. That helps a little bit. Uh Jacksonville Jaguars. There we go. Because Jacksonville lost to Kansas City at home and the Texans. So those are a couple that come to mind. There you go. It took me long enough. All right. Now, Stefan, remind me of how many more receivers I need to, to name. For last. I, I know CD Lamb and Tyreek too. It's the 5,000-yard receivers currently in the NFL, correct?
3: Yep. And there's only three of them that you have to name. All
1: right. So he named two. The other three: Stephon Diggs. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, Ahmad Saint Brown. <laughs> wow, okay, not good. Um, Tank Dell.
4: <laughs>
1: oh, I'm missing an obvious one. AJ Brown. AJ Brown. All right, we got to get two more. We got to get two more. Um. We got A.J. Brown. Keenan Allen. Need one more. Need one more. Eagles named them. Cowboys named him. Giants, no. Washington, no. Jefferson's hurt. No St. Brown. I'm like running through a bunch of teams and names in my head and I'm not like saying them aloud. I know it makes for a riveting conversation, but all right, I'm going to take one more guess at this thing because I want to be here all day doing this and I feel like I've already gotten two. The last one is going to be my last guess. DK Metcalf.
3: Mm.
1: Who was the last guy, Stefan?
3: It was somebody who does have two letters in their first name, DJ
2: Moore.
1: You know, he's had a great year, and it gets lost in the shuffle because of how crummy the team he's on. And he's had a couple of monster games this year, DJ Moore. You know what? I wouldn't have gotten that, so that will keep me up. At, uh, at least I'm going to get a good night's sleep. That's one that would not have kept me up at night because I would have never gotten it. Would have never gotten it. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Bunny, we got a Monday night game. The is yours. What do we got?
2: What up, J.J.? Jeff Money here with a handicapper. Picks a be for Monday, the fourth the Monday night football game.
0: You already know what I'm going to roll with. I'm rolling with the Jacksonville Jaguars minus the eight and a half over the Cincinnati Bengals. So we're going to roll with the Jaguars minus the eight and a half. Let's see if you have a family play. of your heads up for me on that game. And everyone can follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, J.J., I'm out of here. Let's go.
1: Let's go, Jeff Bunny. We will not be together on this game, but I'd feel good if I'm you. Line is working in your favor. It's all the way up to double digits. All the way up to double digits with the Bengals and the Jaguars tomorrow night. I just think it's too many points. I'm holding my nose. I think you get a spirited effort. Give me Cincinnati, Coach Lou. Don't, go, don't let me down. Just cover the number, please. Hot right now. I needed it, man. I have not had a good NFL season. Beningo has been kicking my ass. At least now, I am going to be after Rams, Packers, Texans, Lions, and Niners hit within a game of the 500 mark. Beningo, 2 and 2. Gain a couple games here. To be honest, I actually need Jacksonville for the contest, Jeff Money, if I want to gain some ground on Joe. Just, just throwing that out there. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll have. Reaction from the in-season tournament. We'll keep you updated if anything happens over the next two days with the winter meetings. Um, And there's a lot to chew on here this week. A lot to chew on. So I'll interrupt my uh, Hard Knocks viewing on Tuesday to spend some time with you guys and gals. No, I'm just kidding. I love spending time with you guys and gals. So uh, do a pod. Then maybe have a cocktail and watch uh, Mike McDaniel and Hard Knocks. Got my week in Miami coming up. And how insane am I because my buddy Eagle Eye, big Titan fan, so I'm going down Monday and Tuesday. And you know what? This is a lesson to all you in life: put things on your credit card as long as you pay it in full. Because the amount of points that I get on my credit card are absurd. Now, it also helps that at the JJ bachelor party. I thought it was a good idea to go and say, "All right, let me uh, let me put the uh, the stadium swim tab on my credit card. Everybody Venmo me. Everybody pay me." but you have all those credit card points accumulate. So I said, all right, I got all these points. Screw it. I'm going down Monday and Tuesday for Dolphin Titan, playing golf Tuesday. Then I'm flying back Wednesday, first thing in the morning, Wednesday. Big show, a lot of cooking, do East Coast Bias, do Baseball Night in New York, SY, the whole deal. Thursday, we'll do our pod. I got the big SY holiday party. Don't want to miss that. And I'm on the first flight out Friday morning for Jets-Dolphins. So I am on two flights within a week. It's like the Iron Eagle schedule. Crazy. Worth it. Listen, hopefully I got a lot more trips to South Florida coming my way in January because we will be in LA for Wild Card Weekend. We got a big Wise Guys show cooking, which I can't wait for. It's going to be a ton of fun. But if there are other Dolphin games, especially if they're in South Florida, I may be uh, taking the show on the road. Just saying. Might be taking the show on the road. Not even because we have New York teams playing. Because selfishly, I want to go. Not going to lie. So, that's a little JJ travel update. I know a lot of people saying, JJ, go to hell. Our football team stinks. I don't want to hear about yours. Well, that's how we do it at the end of the show. On that note, good job by Stefan. Hope everybody has a wonderful Monday. We'll chat on Tuesday night after the wonderful in-season playing tournament. Oh, baby. Get your popcorn ready. JJ out. Be good, everybody must be 21 plus and present select states FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC gambling problem call 100 gambler or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1 888 789 7777. Or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 109 within Indiana, 100 522 4700. Or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call one 800 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.